Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful John Hupalo. John, are you ready to do this? Absolutely, George. Let's do it. Excellent. Let's do this. John is the founder and CEO of Invite Education, a company simplifying and demystifying the college process for both parents and students. I'm excited to have you on. John, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, George, I'm the father of two college graduates and also I have a long career in what was the investment banking world. I was a CFO of a publicly traded student loan company. And don't you know it, when my girl started the college process, I felt like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> and I thought to myself, how can this be? I spent my entire career, 20 plus years down the drain. I can't even get my own kids through the college process. How's everybody else doing this? And then I realized, talking to my friends who go to the soccer fields or go to the cocktail parties, wherever we were, all parents, no matter where they are in the process, were confused by this process of getting their kids into college and making sure they're paying for it the right way. Um, So one day I I quit my job, the, the last investment banking job I had, and I started Invite Education to try to help people Uh, As you said at the beginning, demystify and simplify the process of planning and paying for college for their kids. Got it. I I appreciate that. So that's funny. You were doing all the finances and all the money stuff for what probably was a huge student loan company. And then when the time came, you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't I don't even know where to start. So I I appreciate that. Um, So if if you would kind of. Well, I guess how. How, how long has it been since, since since you started the company? Yeah, so Invite Education is going to have its eighth birthday in yes. March of 2020. So we're eight years old now. Okay, so certainly over the past eight years, um, probably the last 10 years, it seems to me, and you'll be able to answer this question, so I, so I should just ask it, what is really, uh, certainly uh, college debt, student loan debt has been in the news a lot. Um, what are your thoughts on the overall uh, paying for college picture right now. Yeah, you know, you, you're right, George. You, you pick up the paper and you read one of two things. Either the student loan debt continues to soar. The latest number is $1.6 trillion of outstanding student loan debt. And then on the other side of the equation, you hear the presidential candidates talking about free college and loan forgiveness. Um, so there's a tremendous amount of confusion out there. And I, I think the, the bottom line, and, and for anyone who's listening to this, you have to start with the cost of the college. Like, I, in my personal view, there should not be a student loan debt crisis. That families made better choices about what college was affordable for them, and they started thinking about that a little bit earlier. 
Um, I don't believe that a, a student would get out of uh, college with excess of debt that they couldn't repay. I, I said a lot there because the, one of the pieces that I know and you know and everybody else knows that it's, the problem with the college decision and the, the idea of which school to go to is that it's overrun with emotion, right? If it were just a consumer purchase like a car, um, it's a lot easier. You know what you save for your car. You know what you can afford in a payment. So you go and you find a car that makes sense based on the economics. It's completely different when we talk about planning and paying for college because there's all this emotion wrapped up into it. Parents who are maybe feeling a little guilty that they didn't do enough or they realize, oh, guess what? When the kid leaves the house to go to college, they're out the door. You know, that whole, like that, there's that whole process going on from the time they start driving until they leave for school where you realize that the time that you had with what you remember, the little kid, in my case, the two girls running around the soccer field, you know, all of them chasing the ball at the same time, those days are over, right? And so there's a whole new dynamic going on here. And I think this idea of like the motion carrying the day, rather than acting like a consumer of education, a lot of families are still getting pulled into the decision as if they're victims of the process, that they have to send their kid to the most expensive school that they get into. I just happen to believe that that's not right. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I I think that that is the appropriate way to look at it. We can sit here and talk about the hows and whys and why education is so expensive and why there's so much debt, but that's really not a very practical conversation to have. (laughs) You know, we'll let other people potentially address that or have have a secondary conversation down the road. It's all about how do we manage the emotions that will be present in making what is a major purchase and if you avoid those or if you if you think that they're not going to be present or you don't talk about them, well, you're going to get a poor result. So, so I mean, hmm. so what is the starting point? Because I, I don't know is, well, yeah. why, why, why do you think that people avoid that conversation? Oh, I, I, I talked to some friends of mine um, in a very large financial institution, and they spent millions of dollars of, on research onto this very, in this very question. And the answer they said was that they found universally across all the demographics from the East Coast to the West Coast, the North to the South, it's the same answer every time. Parents told them that they would rather talk about sex with their kids than about how much they save for college or how, <laughs> how they're going to afford college. <laughs> Shame. They, they spent millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars. And I'm sure that, that is, it's right because, again, that, that's what we talk about. Um, and you, know, and you, you asked the right question, where do you start? Um, and one of the things that we did in 2016, I wrote a book called Plan and Finance Your Family's College Dreams, a parent's step-by-step guide from pre-K to senior year. And George, the reason we did that, my co-author helped start the 529 business in the United States. Peter Mazareas was the executive director of, of the Mass Educational Financing Authority, one of the very first 529 plans in the country. Peter and I have known each other as his investment banker back in the 90s, and he joined me on this adventure with Invite Education. And we looked at it, and we said, you know, the problem we saw was that it's not necessarily that, that parents need to save enough or they need to borrow enough. They need to think about the package holistically. You need to understand what the components are to pay for college to get, we talked about at the beginning, the affordable school. How do you define 
what an affordable school is for my particular family. And it's different for everybody. Um, you know, it's the same as saving for 401k or your retirement savings. Some people can put max out. Some people can't. It's what can you do comfortably? But the problem I've seen, and I think it's starting to change, quite honestly, I'm actually very optimistic about this based on the last five years of talks that I've given and, and market behaviors we've seen. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that families and students, and students who are driving this, are making better choices. And it all starts with picking a college that is not too expensive. And there we go back to the emotion. You know, that somebody I, I gave a talk with one day said uh, they talked about brand envy. They said, well, you know, it's about the parents going to the cocktail party and saying, well, you know, my, my daughter got into, you know, X, Y, Z. And then this, the person next to them saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, little Sally, she's going to go to the local community college. And, and this woman, she was brilliant. She said, you know, there's that 11 seconds of a little bit of parental embarrassment that, you know, sure. oh, my kid's not going to the big brand name school. But guess what? For that student, going to a community college might be the absolute best place to start. It's affordable. It lets them figure out whether or not they want to be in college. It lets them look at some of the opportunities for the different kinds of majors to see what might interest them. And then they go on to a four-year school, or maybe they don't. But this whole idea of uh, trying to get away from the brand envy, I can tell you a personal story about this. And I know it's paying for college is complicated, but sometimes it's pretty simple. My younger daughter... God bless her. I love her, but she's not a Rhodes Scholar, right? You know, she got the same percentage of merit aid. Uh, so we didn't apply for the financial aid. She just got merit aid from three different schools. So we lived outside of Boston. She got merit aid from a school in San Antonio, Texas, one in the desert in California, and one in the cornfields of Indiana. And she went to the school in Indiana, not the particularly well-known school, she graduated. She has a job today in the tech world. She's doing great. But she got a merit scholarship. And the first time I looked at that, I, I realized it's because scholarships, schools will use their scholarship dollars to attract students. And I think in her case, she was a, a, a good student from the Northeast. And those schools in different diverse parts of the country wanted a girl from the Northeast. You know, so Emily was the one who got that money. And the, the point, the reason I, I tell the story is that parents sometimes make the mistake of thinking, you know what, I make too much money, um, so my kid's not going to get financial aid, so I shouldn't file the papers and all that. I tell people universally that's bad advice. If someone's saying that to you, it's really not good advice. And the reason for filing the FAFSA, the free application for federal student aid, um, is that it does trigger uh, opportunities then to get scholarships and to get grants uh, down the road. And I, I think it's just important to do that. It's not so difficult to do anymore. So filing that FAFSA form comes out on October 1 every year. I think it's a really good idea for parents, no matter what their incomes are, um, to do that. And the second part of that is, again, in the case where some parents don't even file any financial aid, but the school wants that student for whatever particular talent they might have, or whatever the, the opportunity might be. And I think in our daughter's case, geographical diversity, they wanted a kid from the Northeast and they gave her some money to come to school. Uh, so some parents will make the mistake, it's a long way to, to say, of, of, to make the mistake of, of disqualifying themselves in a process where they really don't have to do that. 
Uh, you know, Sison's, the, the retailer on the East Coast, used to say, you know, my best uh, customer is an educated consumer. Um, and it's the same way. It's just being smart about making a college choice and understanding how financial aid is distributed, where the money can come from, from scholarships, from grants, um, sometimes from loans. We should talk about that because um, I actually have a little different view on loans as well. But again, that whole package, how much did I save? How much uh, can we get in scholarships or will we get in scholarships and grants? And then how much do I have to borrow? That's really how simple it is when you think about finding an affordable college. Got it. And okay. And I think, and yes, I think that that's such an important thing for me to, 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 to get my brain around. Um, when you start actually looking at here are the variables you really need to consider. Um, so obviously you need mm-hmm. to factor in tuition, but what are, what are the other expenses that you really counsel people to look at? Yeah, it's really important. Um, it's tuition, room, board, fees. And then uh, again, my daughter went to uh, you know school in, in the cornfields of Indianapolis. So she had to travel out there and travel back twice a year. Uh, well, actually, three times a year, you know, Thanksgiving break and then Christmas and then maybe one or two other times. So those uh, travel costs, um, you know, a little money in the pocket um, is also important. Uh, so there are there are added costs there. Uh, there were some fees that I didn't think about. For instance, she joined a sorority. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had some sorority dues that, that I really didn't think about in advance. Uh, so those are, you know, that's a pretty general outline. But I think when you um, uh, look at it holistically, you know, what, what is it going to take? It's really those categories. Um, you can do some budgeting. Uh, the schools have um, now required by the U.S. government to have a, a, a calculator on there to show what those costs can be, cost of attendance for a particular school. Um, at mycollegecorner.com, which is uh, one of the sites that, that we at Invite Education use, um, we actually have a financial aid calculator there that parents can use for free. Uh, so they can put in... Um, some information, very little information. It takes about two or three minutes to do, and they'll get an estimate back of what their expected family contribution would be. And the EFC number, uh, George, is really important for families to get their arms around. You can do this in, in seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Look at a particular school and say, okay, how much financial aid um, might I expect from that particular school based on what my income is? Got it. And that was one of my next questions was when we should, when parents should start this process, probably before the kids are even thought about, but, um, but, and, 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 and then how much ownership do, does, does the kid need to take? Yeah. Great question. Um, so yes, I think, uh, you know, we talked a little bit, I said, mentioned the 529 plans before, uh, Peter's involvement with that, but I think 529 savings plans are one really good vehicle uh, for parents to use starting. You can actually start, you made a joke about it, you can actually start saving before the kid's born. You can open the account in your name and then just make them the beneficiary when they're born. So you can start saving, you know, when you can start saving. But starting to save early is obviously because the compounding effect is is absolutely tremendous. Uh, So starting with the savings uh, as early as you can is, is really important. Um, and then really starting to focus in on how uh, the student is likely to, to pick a school. Um, that becomes really important, literally as early as, you know, eighth, seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade, certainly. Um, you, a parent wants to start to understand by ninth grade what the financial aid process looks like um, and what, um, you know, some of the little tricks are with regards to making sure that you're properly positioned 
um, to get financial aid if you're going to be eligible for it. Got it. All right. So as early as possible, start thinking about 7th and 8th and that, that definitely ninth grade to figure out what the financial aid is going to be. All right. So let's right. let's just use use an example that, that the college that you select is, is um, $10,000 a year and you're going to get $5,000 of student aid. How then do you look at loans for that or working? Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, one of the really important things for families, uh, particularly for 11th and 12th grade families, is to understand what the financial aid award letter is. And just very quickly, there are three components of a financial aid award letter. One is the good stuff, the free money that says grant or scholarship in the title. The second is what I call earned aid, which is a federal work study award. And then the third component is a loan, right? And the loan that the school is under law permitted to package as an aid, and I think it's not aid because it has to be repaid, but the loan is called a direct loan. Uh, So just generally, there are two types of loans that families can use to pay for college. One is in the student's name um, through the federal government. Freshmen can borrow $5,500, and then it scales up to about $7,500 by the time a student's a senior, and that's a loan made, again, through the federal direct student loan program. I think it's the best loan that a student can have because there are all kinds of protections on the backside with regard um, to different repayment programs based on how much a student makes. There are some student loan forgiveness provisions for public service and for other um, uh, needed skills in the workplace, like for nurses and others. So there are all kinds of different programs there. So for students, that's the best game in town, the federal direct student loan program. For parents, Let's say that for whatever reason, the student either maxes out their federal borrowing and there's a little bit more to be done, or the parents are skeptical of the federal government, which I hear uh, from time to time. They say, we don't want to deal with that. We'll, we'll take the loan ourselves. There are uh, private credit student loans uh, that are available through banks, credit unions. Um, some of the credit card companies offer them as well. Uh, and those uh, loans are underwritten much like a mortgage. Uh, So you qualify based on your credit score, and the rates will vary. The interest rate will vary based on on the credit score. So those are private credit loans. The federal government also has a loan for parents, which I think is absolutely terrible. Um, It's called the Federal PLUS loan. There are no credit criteria associated with it. Uh, So the loan, uh, the only credit criteria, I should say, is no adverse credit. So they don't look at your income. They will let you borrow up to the maximum amount of the uh, cost of attendance for a student. Excellent. The interest rate is pretty high, and there's a 4.6% fee associated with it to get this loan. Wow. Um, so I, I, I really try to steer parents away from the PLUS loan. Uh, if, if, uh, not, not to get too technical, but if a, a parent has a credit score of about 720 or above, they should be able to do better in the private credit student loan market than they will in the federal program. And the last, you, you kind of got me on my soapbox here, George, about <laughs> student loans. I spent my career with this. And uh, so I just like to make sure that, that folks have their eyes wide open uh, when they take that federal loan. The other thing about the federal loan is a parent loan. Uh, so some parents make the mistake of thinking, well, when Sally gets out of school, I'll just sort of transfer the loan to her. If you have a federal plus loan, that is the parent's loan until it's repaid. You can't transfer that. Uh, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of the parent plus loan. 
I think it, it can really force parents into situations where they're overborrowing for their student. And it goes back to the beginning. I, I, and it's the emotional part is where we started. Maybe it's where we're going to end up. Um, is that if you get to a place where a parent has to dip into their 401k savings or even taking home equity or they're taking these excessive private credit loans or borrowing too much against the plus loan, in my view, that's a very strong indicator that that school is actually not affordable for that particular family. You should maybe step back a little bit, maybe take a gap year and earn some money, uh, find a less expensive school. But um, you know, I, I tell parents all the time, the test of your love for your child is not sending them to the most expensive school they get into. And second of all, you should not, under any circumstances, somehow put your retirement, your, your well-earned nest egg in your 401k at risk to pay for a student's college. I just fundamentally think it's a bad idea and they should avoid it at all costs. Yes, John, music to my ears right there. <laughs> I, 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 I always tell people, you know what, I, I, I'm sure that you love your kids and you want the best for them, but if you are saving for their college or paying for their college instead of saving for your retirement, then your kids are your retirement plan. So you got to make sure that you are taken care of. Yeah, no, you know, it's the old, you know, analogy. It's overused about when, you know, the, when the, uh, air, uh, drops down on the airplane, (laughs) right. You know, you know, take it for yourself first and then put it on the kid. And I think it's the same way. I I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, retirement money is for your retirement. Um, and students have other ways to borrow and, and you should really keep them separated. I like it. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on. Um, tell us what it is that, um, that Invite Education does for parents and how they can find you and engage with you. Well, thanks, George. Uh, well, what we do is try to simplify the process, give tips like we've been talking about throughout here. Our book, Plan and Financial Families College Dreams, available on Amazon. Uh, we try to write it as a very plain English, easy to read, easy to understand uh, book on all the different things that we talked about, financial aid, award letters, loans. We go into a lot of detail on that, how to find scholarships, how to save in 529 programs. And also, um, we started a site called mycollegecorner.com. Uh, to provide free resources. There are some webinars up there, one of them, how to win the financial aid game. Uh, So you go up and look at those for free or use the financial aid calculator. There's a scholarship search engine there for free and also a college search engine and a whole bunch of articles on our blog about all the topics that you and I talked about this morning and, and many more, to be honest with you. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show John your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to mycollegecorner.com and look at or <clears throat> study up on all the great resources they have. Take advantage of the search engines for scholarships and student aid. Check out the webinars and then get a copy of the book. What was the name of the book again? Plan and Finance Your Family's College Dreams. Plan and Finance Your Family's College Dreams. I love it. Well, thank you again, John. George, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.